I had met the mayor of Seoul and he was nice enough to greet me at the city hall. At the end of the meeting, he says, well, you're my political advisor. So at the time, I just thought, well, that's just something a politician says, whatever. I didn't really think much of it. But a few weeks later, I'd returned to San Francisco. I woke up on a Saturday and I thought, well, he did say I was his political advisor. He's about to get some advice. So, you know, I wrote an email and gave some thoughts on some things. And to my astonishment, he wrote me back. Have you ever noticed that some of the best ideas come from unexpected places? Your next breakthrough may come from a leader facing similar challenges, but in a completely different sector. Welcome to Chief Influencer. I'm your host, Anthony Shop. Join us as we explore how today's successful leaders inspire, influence, and connect with others. Chief Influencer is a production of Social Driver and the Communications Board, who have teamed up to spotlight how great leaders and communicators are making their impact in the world. This episode is brought to you by the George Washington University's College of Professional Studies, with in-person and online programs, ranging from master's degrees in public relations strategy to certificate programs in digital communications. GW offers more than just the credentials to help working professionals get ahead. It prepares them to be leaders in their field. As a proud GW graduate myself, I can attest that faculty members combine academic rigor with real-world lessons that can't always be found in textbooks. Check out cps.gwu.edu for more information. I'm so excited to introduce today's guest. Dean Felk is an award-winning international attorney and civic leader and Northern California co-managing partner of a leading global law firm, DLA Piper. Dean is the co-author of Impact the World, Live Your Values and Drive Change, which is a motivational guide to becoming a super-powered individual committed to improving your community and the world. Now, I want to share some of the impressive ways that Dean has done just that. He is a life member of the Council on Foreign Relations, a founding member of the Halifax International Security Forum, and co-founder of Transatlantic West. The U.S.-Spain Council designated Dean among the next generation of American leaders, He's been designated an honorary senator of the German economy, an Eisenhower fellow to China, a presidential leadership scholar, a Marshall Memorial Memorial fellow to the EU, a Fulbright scholar to Korea, a Truman National Security fellow, and a Carnegie new leader. So there's a lot there. I'm really excited to unpack this idea of citizen statesperson with you today, Dean. So welcome to Chief Influencer. Thank you so much, Anthony. It's great to be here. I'm a huge fan of your work, and you know you're you're a tremendous leader in your own right. So it's really an honor to be here uh, with you today from from sunny San Francisco. Well, thank you so much for saying that. I really appreciate you making time. I absolutely loved the book Impact the World. We both have it. I'm on the other coast. We have both have copies. And I just want to start by asking you, because I'm not sure everybody is familiar with this term, what is a citizen states person? Thank you. Thanks a lot, Anthony. Well, a citizen, and look, uh, you hear a lot of terminology we've seen. We talked about, you know, citizen diplomacy, public diplomacy. I think, you know, Carrie Rich, Carrie Rich is my co-author. Um, she's the the CEO of the Global Good Fund. Carrie and I we're having a discussion about the incredible leaders in our network. And, you know, as with leaders, maybe in past generations, these people have incredible, incre- incredible civic spirit. 
They want to they drive change in their communities. But what we felt is a little bit different is that we have a moment now, Anthony, where, you know, maybe there's a certain skepticism around what traditional um, structures of power can accomplish, what government can do, or what big business can do. But you have these people who are, yes, are civic-minded, and yes, want to drive change. They also have incredible technological tools at their disposal, so they can do more uh, than in the past. So they're also incre- incredibly global-minded, right? So not only um, do they want to affect change across borders very quickly, they're also gathering examples and resources from you know potentially all over the world. So you have these people who are doing things in their communities and literally you know, changing the world, whether it's in areas that have to do with education or healthcare or financial access. So what we've tried to do is um, profile some of them in our book. And yes, they are. They're from Latin America. They're from Asia. They're from here in the United States. Profile them. Um, talk a little bit about their secret uh, sauce and what makes them successful, and hopefully give other people some inspiration to do uh, more in their own work or get started to be a, a leader and a citizen states person. Yeah, I wish I had this book when I was much younger because I love how you laid it out um, in terms of you know summarizing sort of the guide in each chapter, but then asking questions, which are really great reflective questions for you know any of us wherever we are in our career. And I think it's so interesting, you know, today you point out there's apathy and there's cynicism about the government and about progress. But at the same time, you show these stories of folks who, no matter where they come from in terms of their geography or their background, they're able to make a difference that gets noticed around the world. It's incredibly, it's incredibly inspiring. Um, You have people from all walks of life, uh, you don't have to be, you know, well-heeled or well-resourced or, you know, um, it really, it, it's all about putting your effort and your energy and bringing people together and applying ideas. And, you know, yeah, it's exciting to see young people uh, do things, but you don't have to be young. You know, it's it's a little bit, what's the old quote? Um it's never too late for a happy childhood. Well, it's never it's never too late to you know make good things happen. It's never too late to be a citizen states person. I love it. So as we think about this idea of being a chief influencer, we know that leaders um, like yourself, who you know you're a leader not only in the legal field and with your clients and the work that you do, but you're also a leader through all of these other communities that you're part of. Leaders have to figure out who they have to influence because, you know, that's a broad amount of stakeholders. And I wonder if you can just talk a little bit about who do you have to influence to achieve the impact that you want to see in your community and in the world? Yeah, very good question. I mean, it does. It depends on the it depends on these the 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 problem set that you're trying to solve for. Sometimes your target is something very specific, a regulatory process, a legislative process, a government. You want to change something at the city hall, at the state level, what have you. Um, other times you want to build awareness or you want to you know, start some sort of a, a grassroots um, consensus around something. Or maybe you just want to help specific people. Certain, you know, your idea is that you're going to bring 
um, you know, financial inclusion, or you're going to, you know, you're going to be part of mic- micro loans to certain um, underserved communities and small business owners, as is the case of um, Ted Levinson, who's the CEO of Beneficial Returns that we highlight in the book. So it really depends. But I think fundamentally, the idea is you want to start with your impact, have your vision for impact, and think big, of course, always great to think big, um, and then work backwards. What what is the what would you like? What what should your change be? You know, is it that that farmer, um, you know, should have another twenty thousand dollars so that she can have the heavy equipment necessary to scale her business and therefore benefit her broader community? Is it that you want to bring about a referendum for you know greater? Um, inclusion for some kind of a policy in your community. But I would start with the very specific and then ask yourself who has, you know, who has the influence, who has the kind of heft to make a difference, and then work your way backwards. At the end of the day, you know, educating, building consensus, and then animating people for change tend to be, you know, the steps towards uh, manifesting that kind of progress. Yeah. You know, one of the things that really struck me about not only the book, but just your story and your background is that you've been uh, part of some communities that are really well known and have been around for decades, like the Council on Foreign Relations and the Fulbright program. But then in some cases, you've actually created something. You know, ostensibly, maybe you saw a gap and you said, well, there's not an existing community to solve this. So I'm going to create this community or be part of a group to do that. And the two that, you know, jump to mind for me are Halifax, as well as the, um, as Transatlantic West. So can you talk a little bit about where you've seen opportunities to join existing longstanding programs and then where you've created something and why you've done that and the impact that that is desired, you know, that you want to make? Yeah, thanks, Anthony. Thanks for I think I think you've described it um, well. I mean, look, the citizen states person has a has a has a kind of varied toolkit in terms of how in terms of the kinds of you know levers that they can pull to 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 affect change. Um, look, there are organizations, you know, you don't you don't necessarily want to reinvent the wheel uh when you're trying to bring about change, right? I mean, there are organizations. That have been thinking about problems and working working on problems for a long time. And the truth of the matter is, most of the or- civic you know civic organizations in, in our society, in some way, are relatively porous. That is to say, there is a point of entry. The barrier to entry is relatively low, and there is a point of entry. They want membership, or there's an opportunity to volunteer, or you can you know. Be, be be a guest or join their programming or whatever the case is. So, I mean, when you're looking, the obviously, when you want to uh, approach an issue, um, you don't have to become a world expert, but you do want to educate yourself. There's great information out there. You know, one of the first things you do, of course, is figure out who, you know, who are the people that are knowledgeable, try to figure out what, what the key issues are, and you know, meeting people and 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 kind of joining some of these organizations. I mean, some of them are can you know um, 
you know, some of them may be more exclusive than others. Doesn't mean they're better. I think I once, uh, I think I was once told in a journalist class that if you see the word prestigious uh, before, you know, put in front of some kind of award or organization in the newspaper, it really means no one's ever heard of it. Um, so I, I try not to make too much of those things, but, but to your point, I think, um, going out, you know, finding like-minded people, building your network, these are all pieces. These are all ways to build your personal capital and there will be puzzle pieces that you will be manifesting. You may not know exactly how they fit. You shouldn't know exactly how they fit, but later you will find a way to put those pieces together. I think joining great organizations uh, or getting involved with, you know, on the academic side or the NGO side or think tanks or political groups, wonderful, wonderful way to do that. And yeah, as you, as you mentioned, sometimes those organizations don't exist yet. Uh, you mentioned transatlantic West, you know, more than a decade ago, um, um, a friend of mine, Michael Fernandez, and I realized that we had a lot of leaders here in the Bay Area, here in the tech community that were interested in joining a dialogue on transatlantic issues, the issues that are of importance here in the United States and also in Europe. Um, you know, some of them are political, some of them are geopolitical, some of them relate to technology, but we realized this transatlantic relationship is run overwhelmingly between Europe, you know, Brussels and Berlin and Paris, Europe on one side and Washington, D.C., maybe New York, you know, around the U.N. General Assembly, but basically on the East Coast, on the other. And so our idea was, well, you know, why don't we create a community of like-minded people in the Bay Area that way, we're going to work to attract leaders from Europe and have these conversations, right? And we've had ministers, we've had groups of CEOs from Europe. Um, last week, we had the former um, president of the Bundestag, the German parliament. We've had the NATO secretary general. So amazing, amazing. But, you know, it was just, it was really just an exercise of seeing an opportunity. There wasn't an organization really that we could join. So we figured we'd just make it ourselves. I love that because, you know, like we talk about the, the environment, the digital and technological environment has changed so much and it's allowed, you know, folks from around the world to get noticed. Um, sometimes those structures that have been around for a long time I mean, leaving out California and the West Coast kind of, you know, it seems funny, right? I mean, the economy is yeah. so huge and it's so influential. Yeah. This didn't exist. And I, 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 yeah, and I would say, you know, uh, we just had, you know, you, you may know the the, the European Union, the Euro European Commission, they, they opened their first office outside of Brussels, I think it was last year. And sure enough, it's in the San Francisco Bay Area. Wow. So that tells you, and we have this rise now of what, what they're calling tech diplomacy. So maybe we were ahead of our time. Uh, hopefully we played a constructive role in that. Um, but in any case, it really, really, I think is a, is a, is an illustration that if you see something that you think will be constructive, uh, it stands to reason that you will have some, you know, like-minded, um, folks that want to join you and you can do some really interesting things. 
Love that. Now, you know, some folks might hear this and think, I, I don't have the bandwidth to create an entire organization like this. And one of the things you mentioned in the book, and I was so happy to see you mention it because it's you know something I've been involved with for a long time is the International Visitors Leadership Program and Global Ties. And I yes. wanted to just talk a little bit about that because folks may not realize that there are communities out there that they could raise their hand and be part of right. if they want right. to get outside of their day job and try to make this impact globally. Yeah. Uh, IVLP, Global Ties, long-standing history of bringing people together, having leaders come to the United States, yes, to learn from us, but also to exchange information. And you're absolutely right. Um, you know, they they are often looking for opportunity. They are looking for volunteers who are interested in having these conversations, sharing their own experiences. Um, so, like everything else, it's a, it's a it's really a matter of raising your hand and reaching out to those organizations, saying, "I'm interested. I'm open minded. I'm interested in having these conversations." Uh, you know, I have a valuable perspective. I'm a educator. I'm an activist. I'm a business owner. You you have something to share, uh, undoubtedly. And I think it's, um, like I said, I think in some ways you will find that uh, you'll make connections that will, will prove useful at some point in terms of partnership, or you'll just extract um, lessons that you can apply. Because, you know, um, most of the kind of solutions that we see around us have been tried somewhere at some point. So it's a it's a it's just a way of educating and exchanging ideas. And I think those are wonderful, wonderful opportunities. You don't have to create your own organization in order to get involved in that kind of uh, you know citizen diplomacy or citizen statespersonship. And you know, something that I hear from leaders, sometimes experts, I'm thinking of a of a, a young entrepreneur who I just had this conversation with is sometimes when an opportunity does come up to be part of something or have a seat at the table, folks say, well, I'm not the expert right. or I don't have enough right. experience or expertise. And I love that you touched on, you know, maybe imposter syndrome is part of that for some right. people or, right. but, you know, you touched on this in impact the world where you had some different, you know, thoughts and strategies on this. Can you share, uh, you know, maybe even the the sort of where you had the aha moment um, about that, and you know, do you have to be the expert? Well, first of all, I think you're right about imposter imposter syndrome. I mean, um, part part of life, I think we find is, you know, don't be self exclusionary. You you are not you are not well positioned to judge your own fitness. To do things, okay. You just need to do it. That's the first part, okay. Don't don't ever be self exclusionary. You have something valuable to bring to the table, no matter what. So that's the starting point. Um, look, I think most people, the the type of consensus um, and the type of forward drive that you need to to tackle most challenges in society requires more than the PhD thesis expert, right? You can be an educated person. You have lived experiences. You'll bring your experience from one area to the other, 
to be a, a solution solver. So by all means, educate yourself and spend the time. You know, I talk a little bit in the book about the law of the other, mm. Anthony. And, you know, part of it is that citizen states people have a range of interests and so, yeah, some of them overlap, you know, but some of them are just different pieces of our interest set. They make us interesting people, but they're also these kind of the palette where we draw those colors from. So when I talk about the law of the other, what I really say is in any given situation, think about what makes you a little different. Think about what is your value add in that situation. I think in my example, I said, you know, I spent, you know, from the early part of my career, I was interested in, in getting involved in politics at different levels. And I was, you know, I was starting to develop a career as a lawyer in kind of this cross in a different cross-border space. But when I went to meetings full of, of international lawyers, if I identified myself as just another lawyer, I was just, I would, I felt like I'd be lost in the crowd. So in those circumstances, I would underscore the fact that I'm actually somebody who's very involved in politics and policy, become the political person in the international lawyer context. And the other side of the coin you can guess is, you know, when I was with, when I was uh, at a political event, I mean, there were some, you know, you want to be the uh, most uh, influential person in a political room, good luck but you can be the person who's known as the international lawyer. So it's a way of, of looking at your the complexity of who you are, embracing the fact that you have a number of interests. I know you do, Anthony. And in any, any given situation, what, what, what's going to be valuable to other people? Just another one of the you know, hundred other in the room or something a little different? Yeah, that is such a great insight because it means that you can lean into different facets of your personality and your expertise and your interests because, you know, we're all unique in that way. And something that you said in the book that resonated with me, which is, you know, obvious, but we all need a reminder in a career-driven world is you are not your job. Right. And you talked about personal branding and that, you know, it's not all about sort of your 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 day job as your identity. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah. I mean, also, I think uh, in a very healthy way, um, people are generally having more eclectic careers. And, you know, and so, and that is something even I think more so among the kinds of people that we highlight in the book. And, you know, yeah, some people have a career these days, they will be, um, you know, they'll, they'll have a career that spans the private sector, they'll be in government, they'll do volunteer work, they may do things in academia. And oh, by the way, they may, you know, they may be doing, have a side hustle, they may be doing things, you know, uh, you're not chief influencer uh, all day, every day, right? You, you, you run an organization, you, you sit on boards, you do all of these things. So these are all parts of who we are. Let's not define ourselves narrowly. And I think this is something that I'm, I am learning from this new, this, you know, newer generation of citizen states people. Going back to this idea of being the expert in the room, one of the things that um, I really liked, I think it's great advice for everyone is, you know, if you find yourself in a setting where you're not the expert, being a great listener and synthesizing yeah. what you learned from the conversation and just repeating that back can be a yeah. huge value add because all the other experts are coming at it from their perspective. And if you can synthesize 
and recap what happened, that can be one of the most valuable outcomes from that conversation. Yeah. And look, um, look, listening, great listening is a skill. It's a lost art. And let's just say it. And it's a skill that needs to be practiced like any skill. And, you know, even people who, even people who are steeped in a particular topic, maybe they are one of the top experts. Uh, if they're not assuming that they're not too narcissistic to learn something new, um, they value from a fresh set of eyes. So, you know, you don't have to come up, you don't have to have the next, you know, fourth degree order novel take on something to be valuable to that conversation. Again, you've got, you know, we all had these amazing li uh, lived experiences and we're, we're, you know, we're, we're, we had the complexity that you were talking about. So I agree. I mean, I, again, I, I go back to um, don't exclude yourself, be part of that conversation, uh, be earned, be earnest. People, people like to see other people that are, that want to learn from them. You know, I, I think this ties really well to personal branding. I know a lot of leaders sometimes worry about being too self-promotional and, you know, they, oh, should I post on LinkedIn? You know, what should I say? And one of the things that I've observed you do is that when you bring people together, and I want to talk a little bit more about that sort of convening in a second, um, you know, not everybody can be in that room, right? And you will share on LinkedIn, you know, photos, of it, but you'll recap some of what Yes. the conversation was. And I think that's really putting that advice into practice. If a leader says, well, I don't know what to share on LinkedIn. I don't necessarily have an expert opinion. Well, that leader is probably hearing multiple perspectives from their team or outside folks, yes. reading things, and they're bringing a vantage point that's unique. And capturing that and sharing that can actually be really valuable. And in your case, you have a global network. When you share about that meeting that Transatlantic West has in San Francisco, you have folks all over the world that you've connected with through Fulbright and Eisenhower, et cetera, who get to see that and they get a window into that conversation that they could never be there and be part of. I, I think it's about, it's about shit. I mean, uh, the challenge sometimes is rising above. I mean, there is so much content, of course, yeah. you know, because you, you, you know, you're, you're one of the leaders in this space, Anthony, but I would say we have these two, the tools that are at our disposal um, are absolutely incredible compared to what was available in the past. I mean, think about this, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, even in, in my profession, if you wanted to, you know, get in front of either your network exclusively or, a you know, a broader set of people who were potential clients or, you know, shared an interest in your area, you know, you you had such a you know maybe you'd get you 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 do mer you do earned media right, and so you'd be in one of those you know like a, a you know either either a non industry publication uh, at some level or an industry publication has a very narrow readership, and on any given day someone may or may not read it or miss your article or whatever or you know it was in, it was like actual actual paper and it it, it probably lined a birdcage somewhere. But now you can actually put an image right out there and attach some content to it that may be of interest to people. And then it goes out to people who actually know you 
are interested in what you're doing. Um, and then maybe also another layer of people, in my case, another layer of people that, okay, they may not know me well, but they've met me at a conference or somewhere and they might say, oh, that's interesting. I, you know, and I've had people reach out. I've had people uh, that I haven't ha had, you know, direct communication with for a decade reach out to me and say, oh, I saw you did such and such. I would love to talk to you about, I'd love to get involved or I love what you're doing or something. And then we started, you know, collaborating on something. I mean, how could we have done that? Um, 20 years, couldn't have. So, yeah. yeah. So I think, I, I think, I think the tools are obviously the same. You know, this better than I do. Uh, because of you, because of your organizations, uh, but it's not one formula. It's not one size fits all in terms of the kind of um, you know public visibility you may or may not want. Some people, you know, are much want to be much lower um, profile for various reasons. Um, in my case, I would love to reach uh, you know folks that are you know, potentially able to help, potentially want to get involved, might have an interest in what we're doing. So in my case, you know, uh, being able to stay in touch with whatever the number is, thousands of people is very, very useful. And I know there's, you know, been a lot, you know, in sociology written about how many, how many close relationships you can actually maintain, how many second tier, how many third tier. But the truth is, you can have a constructive connection with tens of thousands of people. That is really, if not more, but that's probably for what I'm trying to accomplish. That's probably, those are pretty good numbers. Yeah. Great numbers. And I think, you know, when you look at your presence on LinkedIn, as an example, I mean, you, you do have a very large number of people, thousands, maybe tens of thousands who are seeing the impact that you're making. And one of the ways you make that impact is through convening. I mean, we can we can call you a chief influencer. We can call you a citizen state. If you insist, if you insist. We have to call you a master convener because one of the things that you do so well is that you find ways to connect the dots and bring people together. And I think that that's a really, and that might be getting 10 or 20 or 50 of the right people together or two yep. of the right people yep. together in some cases. Um can you maybe just share a story of where you've done that? I know, um, you know, through your your time that you spent in in Korea, you know, you yeah. were able to make a connection. Maybe that's a good place to start. Yeah, yeah. And let me just say that um, more broadly that um, you know, develop a track record. People should know that when you invite them to get together for something, they're going to enjoy themselves and they're going to meet high quality. If you do that, people will you'll get repeat joiners time and time again. We have some wonderful, wonderful leaders here in the Bay Area that come to all sorts of things. And I really try, I mostly what I'm thinking experientially is I want people to come. I want them to feel welcome. I want them to have fun, not boring, fun. Actually have a glass of wine, if, if you know, if that's the case and have, you know, and learn something and pay them the compliment that they are big thinkers because they because in our day you know in our daily work very few few of us you know are going to spend our time working on big issues right but we are big thinkers and we want to be part of something bigger so I I do try to do that um, 
Yeah, Korea. I, I've had a I've had a, a thirty year history with Korea, dating back to a uh, time when I was a graduate student in Korea. Um, I had an organization through through Eisenhower Fellowships. I had met the mayor of Seoul, and uh, he was nice enough to greet me in the uh, at the city hall. And he made a comment to me that at the end of the meeting, he says, well, you're my political advisor. So at the time, I just thought, well, that's that's just something a politician you know, says, whatever. I didn't really think much of it. But you know, a few weeks later, I'd returned to San Francisco. I woke up on a Saturday and I thought, well, he did say I was his political advisor. He's about to get some advice. So you know, I wrote an email and gave some thoughts on some things. And to my astonishment, he wrote me back, you know? And so we start exchanging these emails on all sorts of things. And it was incredible. And then um, fast forward a couple months, I, I had heard that he was coming to San Francisco. So uh, to do, I think we had a sister city relationship or do have a relationship and it was a anniversary. So he was going to be here. I said, you I asked, I asked him, how would you like me to put together a CEO roundtable where we can talk about various issues? And we ended up having this wonderful, wonderful conversation, leaders from the Bay Area, uh, the mayor of Seoul, and talking about um, you know shared values, shared projects, and all the things, all the interesting things that are going on in that dynamic modern city and the kind of things that are happening in San Francisco. So that's just an example. I mean, there was no reason for me to be a host to that kind of event as opposed to somebody else. But that if that is the mindset, then those are the kinds of things that you can you can really do. I think it goes to show with this whole concept, okay, citizen, statesperson. What I love about that term compared to a lot of other um, titles or, you know, fellowships or awards that people can get is anybody who wants to can say, I have decided I'm going to be yeah. a citizen right. state person and I'm going to volunteer, you know, to host a dinner or a coffee for an international visitor who comes through the IVLP program, or I'm going to get involved in yeah political event that doesn't have anything to do with my day job and isn't dependent on my title, or I can synthesize information when I'm in the room with experts and do a service to others and show my worth, even though I may not be the expert in the room, or I can convene others, right? And so all these examples that you've shared, you can give yourself that own label in today's world and then lean into it. And that creates these opportunities, not only for you as a leader, but this ripple effect that makes an impact on other people in your community and beyond. Yeah, I love that. And that's very well articulated. And, and, you know, we need more, you know, you get the democracy you deserve in some ways. We need more people to be involved in society, uh, to contribute. Um, yes, it's important that we have effective government and people in politics, and in the book, we don't we don't rule like this. The, some of the citizen states people become formal states people. Like you, maybe you will serve in government in some capacity, and then you're out of government when you're when these people when when folks are you know do something in an official capacity, and then leave that role, they still want to be involved. If you're if you're 
you know, if you're working on climate change, you leave the government, you're still going to, in many cases, continue to work on the issues that mean so much to you. So I don't mean to suggest that you know, pop, power to the people means that there's no role in, a, in, a, in, the, in the official capacity, quite the opposite. I think people have, again, through the course of a career, you know, often wear many hats. And that is another hallmark of, of that citizen states person. Well, and if you want to find yourself in one of those, you know, earn your way to one of those formal roles, you can create those opportunities um, informally as a citizen states person to show that, you know, you belong at that table. Right? Exactly. Exactly right. I want to just end by asking, um, in terms of you know all these opportunities you've created, and you know the book, the book that 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 you've written with Carrie. I just wonder if there is any place where you found inspiration as a leader outside of the normal circles that we might all expect. I mean, not you know a conference for partners of law firms. I'm thinking beyond that, and you've had so many vast experiences around the world. Um, any place that you found particular inspiration that you can share with us about? I mean, I, I, I have two young children, so I find insp- young people, uh, the youngest among us, are so inspiring to hear the way they see the world. And they don't they don't they don't put a cap on kindness or what can be done. So I always find a lot of inspiration uh, with with young people, artists are also very, very important. We, you know, the creative class, a creative people, the creatives in our society, um, by definition, want to always see things a little differently. And so if you spend time with people that are in the arts and then think about either bringing them, hopefully, but at least their lessons into the boardroom. I'm not joking too either. Into the boardroom, into politics, into decision making. We need these the idea that we're going to draw a lot that you know people who are creatives uh should be in a museum or should be off to the side in recreation is 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 absurd. They these are these are people you can uh, that I your question I think was where do I find I find incredible inspiration from artists and can kind of jar me out of my set thinking. Um, so I, I I don't know. So if you if you ask me, spending time with young people, spending time with artists, I'm probably neither of those things, but I get so much from them. I love that. I encourage folks to check out Impact the World. It's a great guide. And I'll, at the end of the book, you have a ton of resources of these various fellowships and opportunities that you know, like you said, they have the word prestigious in front of them, but they probably aren't as well known as they should be. And, you know, I owe to you the Eisenhower Fellowship that I participated in in China. Thanks to you. Oh, thank you for your leadership. And nominating me. So so definitely check that out. And then for folks who want to find out more about you and follow the wonderful work you're doing, they can follow Dean Felt on LinkedIn. And is there any place else that they should go or look if they want to connect uh, with you? Amazon for the book, LinkedIn. I'm easy to find if you Google, you know, I'm there's I have a I have a I guess a fairly unique name, so I'm easy to find and anybody can email me and I'm always I'm always welcoming of uh, people who have great energy and great ideas and let me know how I can be helpful. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being 
with us today. Thank you, Anthony. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Chief Influencer, a production of Social Driver and the Communications Board. If you know a leader who should be featured as a chief influencer, please nominate them at chiefinfluencer.org. For show notes and more, visit us at chiefinfluencer.org or follow Chief Influencer on LinkedIn. Until next time. 